Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. Shep Hyken here on Amazing Business Radio, and I am excited. But I'm always excited about our shows because today we're going to be interviewing Adam Toporek, who is a fellow customer service expert, uh, keynote speaker, author, and you're going to hear a lot more from him. And I know one of the things he preaches loud and clear is consistency and the type of experience people get. And so that's what I'm going to talk about today. I want to start off to kind of set the show up to talk a little bit about consistency. Now, here's the thing about consistency. It's the same every time, never changing. Day in, day out, it's always the same. Sound boring? Well, it may sound boring, but it is not when it comes to delivering customer service, especially if it's good customer service. It should always be the same. It is never boring to the customer if you are consistently even just a tiny, tiny little bit above average. And that's all the time, every day, day in, day out, again, always the same. You are trying to create a consistent and a predictable experience for your customers. So, Here's what I wrote down in an article a few, oh gosh, quite a while ago. Um, I've got my notes here, and I'm just going to go through them really quickly. Brand loyalty depends on three interrelated quality service experiences, and I believe all of these have to be consistent. The prerequisite number one is that you have good product quality. Whatever you uh, sell, whether it be a product or even a service, it needs to work. It needs to do what it has to do. Number two is you've got to deliver a good level of customer service, and that is important. Like one without the other doesn't work. Great service, lousy product, doesn't work. Great product, lousy service, people move on and find another place that sells a similar product. And the third uh, prerequisite to brand success and brand loyalty is consistency. The customer has to have confidence that one in two will always happen. Confidence comes when the customer knows what to expect and gets it every time. So that, I believe, is just a, a, a setup for what consistency is. So I must add that even the best companies, while they appear to be consistent, still every once in a while have problems. Consistency doesn't mean that you never have a problem, that the company never makes mistakes, that they never have complaints. No, it means that if there is a problem, the customers will be able to count on you. So the point is the best companies aren't perfect. Uh, I think uh, about some of the great hotels that I've stayed at, Ritz-Carlton's, Four Seasons. And by the way, this isn't where I choose to stay all the time, although if I I would love to stay in these resorts and these wonderful uh, hotels. This is where my clients have meetings. And I get excited when I stay at a Kempton Hotel, which is one of these cool, hip, boutique hotels. I mean, I love opening up the closet door, and there are the robes, which are like cheetah uh, uh, patterns or leopard patterns on their robes. It's just a really cool place. But the point is you stay in these places, and they're consistently above average. They give a great experience. You go from one hotel to the next and you you get the same or similar experience and when there's a problem and this is the important part when there's a problem they solve it and resolve it in such a way that restores your confidence in them in other words uh, they're consistent in how they handle uh, moments of misery 
A uh, friend of mine, Tom Baldwin, you've heard me talk about this guy on the show a number of times. He's the former CEO of Morton's, the steakhouse. His comment was, great customer service is mistakes well handled. Now, I believe uh, great uh, mistakes handled well are great opportunities to deliver uh, great service experiences. And sometimes uh, that's a tipping point when the customer's confidence gets to an even higher level when they realize uh, that you know that um, you know every time you do business with them, they're going to be great. And even if they fall short, you can just let them know and then they'll turn it around and and continue to make it great. Um, so in one of my recent books, Amaze Every Customer Every Time, now imagine that, every time, back to consistency, uh, there was an, uh, I wrote about this, there was an online review from a customer that did business with Ace Hardware, which was my role model and feature for uh, throughout the book. And by the way, what a great company. I love them. I can go on and on about them. But what the customer wrote sums up exactly what I'm trying to communicate with you today. This is what they wrote in an online review. I want to know how these guys hire their staff. I've been going there for three years, and every single time I've been in, about three dozen times, I've received excellent customer service. Now, I believe that is a review that just about anybody would want to have about them. And I'd love it if they'd go online and say that about the business that I would own, right? Well, consistency isn't part-time. It's all the time. If you want to create customer loyalty, you must, as the title of my book says, amaze every customer every time. All right, we're going to take a short break. And when we do, we're coming back and talking with Adam Toporek about customer service. And he's got this cool concept called the seven service triggers. I'm going to be sure to ask him about that. And you're going to want to know what are the triggers that set off customers to not want to do business with you. This is Shep Hyken. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio. Don't go away. If you like what you're hearing on Amazing Business Radio, and I know you do, then you can get much more of this information all you have to do is go to my website, hyken.com. That's www.hyken.com. Fill out the subscribe to the shepherd letter form, and each week you will get an article that contains a business tip, stories, much more, all about customer service and experience delivered straight to your inbox. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to always be amazing. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Well, we're back on Amazing Business Radio, and I promised you an amazing interview. And today, our guest is Adam Toporek. And Adam is an internationally recognized customer service expert. He's a keynote speaker, and he is the author of Be Your Customer's Hero, Real-World Tips and Techniques for the Service Front Lines. He also has a great blog that I think everybody should check out and make sure you see every one of these articles, Customers That Stick. And he also hosts, or co-hosts, I should say, a great podcast called Crack the Customer Code. He co-hosts that with our good friend Jeannie Walters, who was on the show, oh, not that long ago. So, Adam, welcome to Amazing Business Radio. Oh, thank you for having me, Chef. I appreciate it. Well, we're going to have fun today, a lot to talk about. You've got some really interesting topics, uh, but the first is, before we get, I always love to give a little background. So, uh, and you and I were talking about that before uh, the, the interview started, uh, and you started out blogging and writing, and then uh, through, I guess, the, thanks to the digital world and getting exposed, 
all of a sudden you became a keynote speaker. I love that. You know, I've never gone up against you, uh, and now it's going to happen, uh, that one of our clients is going to be interested in you and me and have to make the choice. Oh, what's I look it forward to that to? day because, Shep, you are a legend. It, if, I, <laughs> if I can go head-to-head with you in any capacity, I would be uh, thrilled and excited. Well, here's the thing. If it comes down to who has more hair, you win. <laughs> All right, so well, Adam. Yeah, it's, it, go ahead. No, you go ahead. You, you had something funny you were going to say. I know it's going to be funny. <laughs> that, that's the that's the worst setup for a joke ever. I know you're hilarious. Make me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> well, give us a little background on yourself. Let's do that. Let's start out. I want to know a little bit about what, what were you doing before you started blogging on customer service and then doing the podcast. Uh, what led you to that? And then obviously you're you're now speaking and you're out there and and I had the great. I love it. You know we've we've interacted. For quite a while, and then we finally met each other just uh, maybe a month or so ago at the National Speakers Association, uh, the conference that they sponsor, Influence 2016. So that was kind of fun. But but what got you to this point? So yeah, I'm actually a third generation entrepreneur. So my my blood is small business. My grandfather had a Main Street shoe store. My father started a wholesale music distributorship in the back of my mother's uh, children's clothing store. So I came up in small business, and then you know when I got into my working years, I ended up having a B2B business and then getting involved with franchising. And throughout all this, you know, one thing, my parents were actually customer-centric before that was a word, you know, before that was a term. They always taught me the value of a customer and how to treat customers. So it's always been an ethic I've carried forward with me. And when I was in my own retail businesses, I saw how important that customer experience is, and I also saw where the customer experience broke down. And it really, my interest in customer service and the blogging and all this sort of started with my frustration with uh, the you know the lack of frontline employees to be able to deliver on customer service, the lack of ability to create good customer experiences. And I just started talking about it, and then just over the past five, six years, it's really blossomed into where I'm at now. Right, and you're doing great. I know I love what you write about. And so about a year or so ago, you wrote your first book. Is that right? Be Your Customer's Hero? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Be Your Customer's Hero. And that book is exactly what I was just talking about. That was the book. I, and you've got so many amazing books. I've quoted your books for years. I love all of your books. But I was looking for a book I could hand to like my frontline employees. I actually don't have it anymore, which is good uh, as far as retail goes. Uh, but yeah, it was in retail. I was looking for that one book I could hand to them and say, you know, here's your manual. It doesn't matter what company you're at. Here's a manual for frontline customer service. And I really looked far and wide for the one that I thought had the messages that, uh, they needed and the training and the really the basic skill set, too. And I wrote the book really because of that need. Wow, that's great. And so it, it is excellent. And uh, what does it mean to be your customer's hero? Well, it's so funny because we were just interacting this week on uh, this exact topic. So to be your customer's hero, when you think of what a hero is, it's somebody that's there when you need them. So when we talk about being a customer hero, it's really about doing three things. Meet and whenever possible exceed expectations, provide hassle-free, frictionless experience, and the killer, the one that hurts so many organizations, do number one and two consistently. Right. Now, if you can create those wow moments on top of that, that's great. And, you know, I wrote that post actually this week, which was uh, exceeding customer expectations yeah. is nice but not necessary. And I quoted your book. I appreciate that, book. yeah. Because the, the whole concept of just being a little more than average, that, that 
to me is exceeding well maybe if you you can meet an expectation and 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 be thought of as just amazing if you're just a little above average uh if you know to exceed it you know it may, and maybe by the way being just a little above average exceeds typical expectations but i mean that everybody thinks you have to go above and beyond i think that's what your post was all about is it going above and beyond is and i've written about this too it's impossible to do all the time right it doesn't scale and that was you know the third part of the being your customer hero hero class customer service is consistency so if you're relying on something that doesn't scale that you can't execute consistently to be the backbone of your customer experience, you were destined to fail. Right. Yeah. Right? So I, I would admit, I, I agree with that. Right. So that's what would be, and um, so that's the hero concept. It is you know, it's getting rid of that notion of, you know, WestJet buying a whole plane of uh, their passengers' gifts and all these things that are more PR than they are true customer service. Right. So that and incident under- happened last year, I believe it was, or maybe it was the year before Christmas time. Um, uh, this plane landed, and everybody went over to baggage claim, and there was a Santa giving out gifts to everybody on the plane. And it made headlines. It was a wonderful story. And then I started thinking, how many flights a day do they have? That's a lot of Santas and a lot of gifts. <laughs> Are they doing that for everybody? And by the way, I'm not knocking what they did. WestJet did an amazing thing, and and, and I, I think it makes sense for us to always look for those moments, but to try to make them. Uh, happen day in and day out with every interaction is really an impossible feat. It really it cannot be done. Exactly, it doesn't scale financially, it doesn't scale operationally, it doesn't scale in a lot of ways. But you know, I think the customer service stories have a place. I think they're those are what you use for inspiration. I mean, that was more of a PR thing. But you know, the stories you tell in your speeches and the stories we tell online, the, the, these amazing acts of customer service that happened on a one-to-one level and may not be scalable, but they, they show an underlying principle. They show a frontline employee who was customer-centric right. and looked at a situation and did something special. And, was and I think there are lessons so. in that. Yep. Empowered oh, to do that's so. that's a big one. And that they were not just trained, but maybe inherently felt it. So here's what's cool. Nordstrom, and I, I've mentioned this a number of times over the last, I don't know, couple of years that we've been doing this show. Nordstrom talks about how they hire their people. And when you ask, well, how do you, how do you train these people to do what they do? They say, no, no, we hire people that already know what to do. Their parents train them. And we just take what their parents did. And that, by the way, is what you and I are. You and I have this commonality. You mentioned that your parents were entrepreneurs. Your mom had the clothing store. Your dad uh, had the music business out of the back of the clothing store. Your your, your grandparents. <laughs> That's a great story. And, and my mom and dad, I started my first little entrepreneurial venture when I was 12 years old. I was a birthday party magician. And my mom made me write a thank you note after my first speech. And my dad said, in a week, you call and you thank them again. And by the way, ask them, how did you do? Were they happy? What trick did they like the best? And and I go, why, why would I do that? And Because you need to know what they liked or if they can make suggestions to make it better. Well, I mean, little did I know that that's exactly what every customer wants today to be appreciated. And that's what every company wants is to get feedback from customers and and then actually do something with the feedback. Now, then my dad put his salesman's hat on. He said, hey, if they're real happy with the show, ask them if there's other siblings that that child had that you did the birthday party <laughs> for. Or maybe the parents that were standing in the back, you know, their kids were in the front watching, you know, 
when did when give me their names and numbers when is their party and and so i built up a big business and i believe my parents taught me these customer service skills long before the words customer service were really ever in vogue if even used together <laughs> so <laughs> at least for that person, no, what if, or for that for that reason yeah. it was always there's always been the customer service department which is where you call when there's a complaint but the idea of giving good customer service really didn't come around i think until perhaps ibm in the 1980s and late 70s maybe early 80s really started coming around as the foremost customer focused customer service focused company uh that was out there yeah i mean you know i, I actually did that in an interview a, a couple of months ago somebody had asked me and i said yeah this is a new idea customer service training, customer service itself. I mean, this is not something that existed in the 1920s. I mean, this is a modern conception that you and I have built our lives around, really, our careers around, at least. And it's very interesting to see how much science and how much, um, you know, basically just talk about customer service and customer experience, which has obviously been the trend in the last decade, to not even call it customer service or to look at customer service as a subset of that larger experience. And for organizations to hopefully, we know they're not all doing it, start to understand that this customer goes on a journey and they touch your organization here and here and here, and every department needs to realize that they impact the customer journey. Right. So that leads us to a second question, and then after this we'll take a break because I want to come back. You've got a really cool concept I want to talk about. But, you know, the idea of consistency seems simple, but it's a lot harder to achieve than people think because you have to design the customer experience. And you just mentioned the customer journey. And I'm sure uh, designing an experience and a customer journey go hand in hand. So a little thought on delivering that consistent experience. Yeah, I mean, there's so many variables that go into, obviously, a customer journey. Even for a small business, much less a, a major organization with huge departments and, uh, you know, sure, huge layers of bureaucracy. But the first is, what do you want the journey to be? What is the goal? What should that experience look like and feel like to the customers? So you start uh, the with the end in the, mind? Yeah, absolutely. Of course. I mean, you start with what do we want our customers to feel, experience, see, think. And obviously, every customer will be different, and there's ways to get into the individual customer. But I think you start with the macro. I'm, I'm a big 80-20 guy, so I'd say let's look at the broad strokes first. And when you look at a customer journey, I, I delineate it between touch points and pressure points, which okay. is the pressure points. And I think, uh, pressure you know, points is a new one on me. Ah, well, I've been saying it for a while, so I got I got to get that to you. So the, it's a it's those are the make or break experiences. Okay, so when you look at your customer journey, and you talk about touch points, well, you know the flyer is a touch point, right? There's all these little things that are touch points, and they matter. Don't get me wrong, but then there's the make or break things, and those are the pressure points. And I look at it from this standpoint: nobody has enough time anymore. So start with the big rocks. Start with the things that you have to get right, and work on those. Fix those first. Improve those first. Then start looking at the rest of the journey. Start looking at the other touch points. Look at consistency and also look, and this and you know this very well, one of the places uh, organizations drop the ball a lot is on the transition between touch points. How right. do you get from department A to department B, right? Yep. And, and uh, yeah, it, and that's where, and not just department A to department B, but how do you do it, and then the next interaction is not like a total debacle. Um, 
it, it drives me crazy. I'm, I'm just writing an article now, uh, like, why do I have to keep repeating myself? In other words, and by the way, there are certain times it's okay and you want the customer to repeat themselves for the customer's benefit, not for yours. But, uh, you know, it's like I tell the story to this person, now i got to tell the story to another person, and about the fifth person I finally talked to, I'm done telling the story. You know, I just, I just want to move on. <laughs> Right, yeah, it's ridiculous, right? I mean, and, that, and that's, um, well, I know we're going to talk about the service triggers later, but you know, being shuffled and having to repeat yourself is a terrible experience. It's a horrible thing. So when you look at the systems and processes, that's sort of the mechanics of a customer journey or a customer experience. But then you have to look at stuff that we all talk about a lot, which is culture and training. And culture, obviously, is very complex, but you, know, you have to have a customer-centric culture. I mean, if the accounting department doesn't understand their impact on the customer and doesn't care, then your bills and your invoices and your collections for past due are going to create bad customer experiences no matter what you know your salespeople did or your customer service people did. So that's what you know, customer centricity has to go through the whole organization. And then and this is a you know where you and I come in more than anything is there's training. Yep. Because even with the right culture, even with you know the right processes and systems, in so many cases the customer experience is delivered by humans. And those tend to be, not always, but tend to be the pressure points too, the places where we interact with people. And we're not necessarily built for customer service. And people need to understand the right language and how to react and how to diffuse emotions and how to diffuse their own emotions. Well, good points, good points. All right, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, uh, you've kind of given us a hint. There's these seven service triggers. I said we're going to talk about these on the second half of the interview, and that's what we're going to learn about. And these are triggers and concepts that all of us should be able to relate to. Great information from Adam Toporek. My name's Shep Hyken. This is Amazing Business Radio. We're taking a break. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Shep Hyken here. How would you like customer service training anytime you want it or need it, day or night? Well, with Shepherd Virtual Training, you will have world-class customer service training at your fingertips online 24-7, 365 days a year. Just go to www.shepondemand.com. Once again, that's shepondemand.com. And remember, always be amazing. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Adam Toporek about his book and uh, that book, Be Your Customer's Hero, which, by the way, is available on Amazon or at the website. And this is a great website name for a book titled Be Your Customer's Hero. Here it is, www.beyourcustomershero.com. How easy is that, Adam? <laughs> we, we worked really hard on that. It was it took a lot of brainstorming and whiteboarding, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Very creative. So uh, in this book, you talk about the seven service triggers. And I think this is a concept that everybody can learn from, understand, know about, put to use, good information. And I'd love to be able to get all seven of them here. So I'm going to ask you to move pretty quick if that's okay. All right. We'll do a speed round. But let me try to set up the philosophical idea of the triggers first. So uh, the first three sections of Be Your Customers here are all about mentality because I believe that understanding our own mentality and understanding those of our customers and their psychology is crucial to everything else that g comes next in customer service. So the triggers is the idea of the hot stove. It's the idea of we've all been burned before. 
And we all have these emotional triggers and these you know, things. Say uh, you're, you're in the car and you hear some music and you get sort of emotional and you realize, oh, that's the song your grandmother used to sing to you. Or you had a noisy neighbor in college that was above your head and you're in the hotel and somebody's noisy and you just like start to snap. So we all have these triggers. And what I found is that there are triggers that our customers have and that are common across a lot of customers. And those are the seven service triggers. So the first one, I bet you're going to be able to relate to this because everybody can, is being ignored. I hate when so that you happens. Walk, <laughs> right. You go to the restaurant and you just watch the hostess walk back and forth and back and forth and never even give you eye contact, right? Well, I, yeah, and I wouldn't say that. Okay, it happens all the time. But I think that's me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I doubt it. I know you, Chef, so there's no way it's you. But, yeah, so being ignored is a huge trigger for people because we've all had that experience. We've gone to the restaurant and been ignored by the hostess. Our waiter has not showed up for five minutes. We've gone in the store and just literally seen employees, you know, turn the other way. So we teach different techniques, one you're familiar with, the 10-5 rule, things like that, which means, you know, within 10 feet, acknowledge, 5 feet, greet. And we teach things like that to make sure customers are not ignored. And what organizations want to do is to make sure they understand how customers might be ignored in their environments, whether it's on the phone, phones aren't answered in time, emails aren't responded to, tweets aren't acknowledged, and to look at their journey and look at that experience. Now, the next one, the cousin of being ignored is being abandoned. Now, this is a huge hot button because we have all been left. You ever been left on hold for like 30 minutes? I hate when that happens. <laughs> Your call is important to us, right, Shep? It, yeah, I know. If it was so darn important, why aren't we talking right now? <laughs> exactly. And we've all had that. So being abandoned is a huge trigger, though. And when you look at these things, you know, these all these things we sort of complain about together and you hear about, I mean, these are actual triggers for people. And the more it's a trigger for an individual, the more likely they are to be patient with you and to be understanding of your hold time, your wait time. So one of the things you want to do with being ignored, excuse me, being abandoned, is you want to understand your business model, your industry. You know, if you're at a fine dining restaurant, you may be okay if somebody takes two to three minutes to come to the table. If you're in the drive-thru at a fast food restaurant, you know, you've got about 15 seconds, right? It's all context-dependent. Right, right. So right. So, go ahead. Sorry. Being abandoned, I get it. You know, uh, nobody likes it. Nobody wants it. And and yeah, it, it can trigger a negative emotion. Number three, being hassled. I hate and that I've one a, too. <laughs> who doesn't? And I think this is a particularly important one for today because I've got I've got a chapter in the book called "Everyone Is Rushed, Everyone Is Stressed." And I truly believe that. Our customers are so rushed and stressed. I mean, I do a little line in one of my speeches where people laugh because it's like, tell me, you know, you know somebody who doesn't even have a job and they have no time, right? Right. <laughs> and, right? And it's usually a relative. But, I mean, we all got that. Everybody's so rushed and hurried and bing, the dings and the chimes are chasing everybody. And people want an easy experience. They want a frictionless experience. Uh, you know, the corporate executive board came up with the uh, customer effort score, found out that 96% of people that experience high effort are, less, are more likely to be disloyal. So hassle is a big thing. So you want to look at policies, procedures, execution, and see how you can make your customer journey easier. Now, number four is, and this is a tricky one, it's called being faced with incompetence. So am now, I talking about the inco- employee being incompetent? Yeah, well, it's it's a little bit of both. So incompetence is a tough word, and it's hard to do in a quick because uh, we're moving fast here. But it's it's more about the customer's perceptions of incompetence. 
So, for instance, if somebody worked at a bank and couldn't give an employee an answer, they may seem incompetent even though they're you know, legally prescribed or by policy for privacy reasons. They just don't have access to the information. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of organizational incompetence, and it becomes a hot button because I've seen this in retail. People get really upset when they think the person helping them doesn't know what they're doing. And you know, when I was a, owning uh, own small businesses and own retail businesses, I mean, that would be a complaint. It would say, you know, you're, you people are clueless. I mean, that weren't the nice people, and I didn't think we were clueless. But it's a huge hot button for people. So some of the ways you can handle that or deal with that, one is, of course, to make sure your team is trained. Two, and this is for frontline professionals because this is from Be Your Customer's Hero, if you're new, say you're new. Yeah, I <laughs> think people appreciate tips. it. Hey, I'm new. I want to make sure I get you the right information. Can you hold for just a moment? Or uh, let me go talk to my manager. To get information, I don't want anybody giving me um, the wrong information. By the way, you and I were at a conference just, and I know I'm, I'm, it's going to extend our time, so you're going to have to do numbers five, six, and seven, and like this, that will be the lightning round. But you and I were All at right. a conference just in July, and Southwest Airlines had their two-day service debacle where their system melted down and nobody was flying anywhere and they people were delayed if not their flights being canceled it was a mess and if you talk to one uh rep at a ticket counter or a flight attendant you would get a completely different story as to what was going on than if you talked to someone else and people were by their nature wanting to not seem unintelligent uh, they wanted to seem like they knew what was going on, and they would they would make things up, not because they were intentionally lying, but because it seemed like a complete logical reason to give this passenger an explanation. And I think it's a huge mistake. We can go on as to how they should have handled it, but that to me is a classic example. Oh, if I want a different answer, I'll just hang up the phone and call another rep and see if I get a different answer. And by golly, I do. Well, yeah, exactly. And, you know, there's so many layers to that incompetence. It's not just about a person not knowing how to do their job or being bad at their job. I mean, it has to do with, at the organizational level, getting people the right information and then training them to know how to handle it when they don't have that information. And so you were seeing all of that in the story you just described. All right, lightning round. Lightning round, five, five, six, and seven. We'll give you about uh, 20, 30 seconds each. I know it's a lot, but... uh, All right, we're going to go quick. All right. Number number five, we just alluded to, being shuffled. I mean, going to phone tree hell, going bouncing back and forth. Anytime you have to shuffle people around. And one of the best antidotes to this is making sure people are trained to know where people go. Don't you love when you get shuffled, you get sent to another department, you spend all this time talking, you go back and you're back at the same department again? It, it drives me nuts. And here's the thing. There's, um, and, and I'm going to uh, credit Nancy Friedman, who's the telephone doctor for this one. Nancy's wonderful. I need to get her on the show. Uh, but she says, if you're going to transfer, transfer only one time. That's it. That's all the exactly. customer will accept. All right. Number yep, seven. Pretty much. Or number six. Right, number we six. don't want to skip number six. six. Yes. All right. So number six, these, and these two are a little more ephemeral. Number six is being powerless. And my belief is even despite all of the talk about the power of social media and the voice of the customer nowadays, I think a lot of that voice is being expressed because customers actually feel more powerless than ever. I mean, like by 2013, the five largest banks had 44% of the banking assets. You know, there are four basically big cell phone carriers. And people, no matter what, and some big companies do very great service, are dealing 
with bigger, more impersonal customer experiences in their lives overall. And if you can make somebody feel like they have power, even if they don't really have it, but then you make them feel like they have a voice in your customer experience, that is huge. And number seven, and this is the most uh, squishy of all, is being disrespected. Disrespect There's is very much in- about that. It's well, it is real. because respect is so individual. It's very real. And, but it's so individual why people feel respected or disrespected. It's like, you know, why do people fall in love? So you have to really get good at reading people and understand that once somebody feels disrespected, once you've set off that trigger, you've got to really work to make them feel appreciated and feel respected and to understand the miscommunication that caused it or whatever that caused it. So it's a huge trigger. So and th- those are the seven service triggers. These are, these are great. And, and, and so uh, number one is being ignored, uh, being abandoned, being hassled, being for, uh, faced with incompetence, being shuffled from one person to the next, being or feeling powerless, and then being disrespected. Those seven triggers are sure to set your customers off. Adam, this has been a very fast-paced, totally information-filled uh, interview, and I can't thank you enough for sharing your wisdom with all of us. Thank you. Thank you for all your years of wisdom, and I love being on the show, and thanks so much. Well, thanks. The book is called Be Your Customer's Hero, and you can go to beyourcustomershero.com or just go to Amazon. And I would suggest you, you heard the master talking about it just now. There's so much good information in there. Uh, even if you just study these seven triggers, which is just one section of the book. It's at chapter three. Is that right? Uh, section three. Section three. Out of how many sections? Well, we have 10 sections and 82 chapters, so it's a short chapter book uh, built oh. for front lines and quick reading. Well, that's perfect. And this is just the third chapter, Imagine or third section. Imagine if you looked at the other nine sections. This is a book you need to get. Hey, Adam, thanks for being on the show. This is Shep Hyken on Amazing Business Radio. Love that everybody loves to listen. Thanks for being amazing. We'll see you next episode. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.